0: So I'm with Diana Liverman, uh, this is an episode of the Conscient Podcast, and uh, I'm at the um, Creative Climate Leadership course, um, and we've been talking about all kinds of things, and, and you're an expert in a number of things, uh, but I would say, why don't you introduce yourself, and then once you've done that, you can try to answer the question that this podcast is looking at, which is, how do the arts contribute to environmental awareness and action? And I know you're not an artist, <laughs> or maybe you are. In a...
1: No, not even <laughs> secretly.
0: <laughs> so, why don't you introduce yourself and then uh, we can talk about uh, art and climate change?
1: Well, I'm a climate researcher and uh, academic. I teach at the University of Arizona here in Tucson. And I've been looking at climate change for, it's, I think it's 40 years now as a researcher. Um, My research is mostly on the impacts of climate change, particularly on the vulnerable, vulnerable populations, disadvantaged populations. Um, I do quite a lot of work in uh, Latin America and in Mexico. And I have, over the years, got involved in some of the international scientific efforts. So most recently... I was selected to be a lead author for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and they did that report on could we keep warming under 1.5 degrees Celsius. And that was a pretty amazing experience, both in terms of trying to put the report together, but then also talking about it afterwards. And there was a much bigger reaction and impact than I think I or other people anticipated. And so it's been very interesting, doing lots of public talks about that report and trying to have people understand what it was we were saying Mm -hmm. about the climate future. In terms of my connection to the arts, um, actually there's a very um, sort of long time ago connection in that uh, When I was a student, I actually had a boyfriend who was a meteorologist, (laughs) and we went to see an art exhibition of Turner and Constable, and I persuaded him to go because he wasn't very oriented to the arts, and I said, you know what, they paint really great weather and we went and he got completely switched on and uh, years later ended up writing a book on uh, Constable's Clouds so that was a very early, I always enjoyed the arts um, but then many years later I was um, teaching at Oxford University in England I was back in England for a while, I spent most of my life, my professional life in North America and um A guy called David Buckland, who's an artist, um, made an appointment to come see me and he came with a couple of other people and he said, um, we want to start a conversation between climate scientists and artists and would you be willing to help host it and organize it? And I just said yes. Um, Sometimes it's good just to say yes without thinking too fast. And we ended up organising a series of meetings in the UK, um, bringing together scientists and artists and other creatives to start a conversation about climate change. And it was partly through that that I met Alison Tickle and Julie's Bicycle. And the thing that um, I really appreciated about what Julie's Bicycle did was that They certainly saw the creative sector as a source of inspiration and communication about climate change, but they also wanted the cultural sector to do act and to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions and to sort of practice what we're all preaching. And so I connected with them and tried to figure out how I could help them and what the message might be and how we could help with some of the technical side of things. But by connecting with David and then with Julie's bicycle, I just became aware of this incredible power of art and the cultural sector to talk about climate change, to think about it in different ways, um, and the reach of the cultural sector. It's an audience that science. Doesn't usually
0: reach. Well, you've been on the board of Julie's Bicycle, and you've certainly been involved in many ways in advancing the integration of arts and culture. With, mm. but you're also a climate scientist, and so you're you're helping art, the arts community understand um, how to approach scientists and and how to interpret the data. And so, for instance, here at the, the course here, you've been you explained to us the the most recent. Unfortunately, terrifying <laughs> data mm. about. But I find it interesting that you're uh, you're, you're part of this community of of, of cultural leaders, right? You're you're, um, and then maybe the, there needs to be more of those connecting points between. Yes scientists who are doing great work and artists who are also trying to connect their skills and knowledge to the issue. So uh, what are some of the gaps or one of the op- some of the opportunities for artists and cultural workers working on specifically climate change?
1: Just over dinner right now we were talking about what is the the most powerful reach that the cultural sector can have and we got into one of those conversations that I've had a lot of times about when are we going to have a movie about climate change that really changes the way people think and we were talking about how I know this is a very particular part of the cultural sector but it's the one that has the largest audience and that Avatar was too subtle in its environmental message and a number of the the good popular movies have not been direct enough and then you have this whole genre of terrible disaster movies and then that led us to talk about writers and science fiction and people like Octavia Butler and others who've been able to... I think one of the things I look for is for artists and the cultural sector to help us envisage a future that's positive I'm not I'm not really looking for more the vision of the apocalypse that science is presenting is hard enough I'm not sure whether we need to elaborate on what we're saying but what we're looking for as scientists is ways to have human behavior change so that emissions come down and we're helping the disadvantaged to adapt to climate change and to the extent the cultural sector can help us imagine those positive futures. That's one of the gaps, I think. We've tended to spend our whole time talking to each other about how bad it and is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking for some Hope and I think maybe the partnership for hope would be a good place to look.
0: Today, we were talking about um, culture, you know, and that climate change is essentially a cultural program problem, Mm -hmm. uh, and that we will need a coalition of many different fields of expertise to to find and there's no magic solution right because the science tells us that there's some things that are irreversible and Mm -hmm. but there's still time there's some time (laughs) Uh, but there's also uh, a lot of will uh, in especially in younger people who are looking for opportunities to 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 invest their their time and energy and vision for the world so a part of it is 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 my generation backing off a little bit Mm -hmm. and learning how to empower and how to to make the transition so that there there can be uh, there can be contribution at all levels but in particular from that younger generation who are going to have to own a world that we didn't know
1: yeah and i think one of um the thing that keeps me going is i'm a teacher and i teach um 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. And um, just in the last couple of years, they, so many students are coming to college and they they really are worried about climate. They want to be activists. They want the university to divest. And they want solutions. And so because I every semester I have a new group, I'm constantly looking for better ways to communicate. And because I'm teaching what in the U.S. is general education curriculum. I have students from the arts and the humanities and engineering. They're just doing an environmental class to sort of tick the box. And I'm, I'm looking now to show them art, have them read poetry, have them watch fiction, films, as a way to have them think about the full range of opportunities and Responses to climate change, but to sort of set that within, well, here is what science is telling us. But even things like as a teacher and as a communicator of climate change, um, I've had some really interesting conversations with fellow scientists about the power of iconic graphics, Mm -hmm. because there are certain graphics that by accident we developed, whether it's the planetary boundaries of the sort of boundaries on the planet that uh, nine-sided graphic or there's one called Burning Embers which shows the damage at different levels of warming and those have become very, very powerful. They're sitting in these 500-page reports but those are reproduced over and over again and I think about how can we create iconic graphics, iconic visions, iconic words that, that really travel a very, very long way in society.
0: And maybe connect to other artistic concepts or other cultural, because metaphor and stories mm-hmm. and yeah. images and people use the word imagination, but it's, it's easy to talk about imagination because scientists are very imaginative as well, right? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but mobilizing the creative sector which include artists, but are not only artists, is an an idea that we yes. talked about here? That that creative energy, that ability to see beyond. Because right now it's it's a little dark in our world, yeah. uh, and we do need hope. We need real hope. Not maybe we need fantasy as well to distract us a little bit to give us mm-hmm. uh, the energy. To <laughs> right. but we, but we need vision and 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 a vision of a world that that uh, is. Within, I mean, today I was interested by the, the, the idea of con, constraint, how artists have always worked with constraints, so have scientists, uh-huh. but artists in particular. So now there is a different set of constraints. So what can we creatively do within the constraints of the current world, the limitations mm-hmm. that we have? We know there's limited resources, but what will we do? What, how will we reinvent uh, cultural experiences in the world that we have today?
1: You know, the word you used of, of storytelling, um, one of the things about being here is um, with people from the cultural community is their, their power to tell stories. And I think scientists are learning that we need to tell stories. And one of the things that is, you're not really trained to do in science is to, to tell your personal story of encounters with climate change whether it's you know some field work that you did or if you went to study after a disaster or even just the personal stories of the struggles we have when we're trying to come to some conclusion about what's going to happen and i've found particularly in this last year talking about the ipcc report is to the extent which i can make the writing of the IPCC report actually a personal story that people p- are paying much more attention mm-hmm. and so I, I'm listening a lot to people here to learn how to tell better stories um, because we need good stories of how we do the science and we need good stories of what science suggests the solutions might be. Well,
0: we can leave it at that. I'm sure we could go on for a long time because there's so much interesting um, data that you've presented to us, but all that's pretty publicly available. Yeah. And, um, what I appreciate in your approach is, is your your sensitivity to art and also your contributions to the art sector Uh, through Julie's Bicycle and and as a teacher and so on. So that's, uh, I admire that. So thank you for your contributions. (laughs) Well,
1: thank you. And may may we do even more powerful work together. Yes, well, it
0: was nice meeting you. Thank Thank you very much. Cheers.